What About It Pro Wrestling fans, and welcome back to another very special episode of What About Wrestling. This week is the What About Wrestling WrestleMania preview show. We've got a very special episode planned for you today, but first, I want to go ahead and remind you to subscribe to all of our social media pages. Right now on Instagram, we're doing a giveaway for WWE 2K23 Deluxe Edition for the PS5. All you got to do is go over there. The rules are on the page. It's in the pinned post. So go over to Instagram. The page is WA Wrestling Pod and go to the pinned post and follow the rules and you could win yourself a copy of WWE 2K23. Today is not only a special episode because we're covering the biggest show of the year, but also because in the What About Wrestling studios today, we have Mr. Donnie Howard. Donnie, say what's up to everybody. Hey, what's up? Great to be here. We're going to be covering everything leading into WrestleMania, the builds to all the matches, as well as kind of some fantasy booking coming out of WrestleMania. So we're going to see what we can do for you guys today. This is going to be a very free-flowing episode. There's not many notes here. Normally my notes consist of about 20 pages worth of notes total. This one right here is about three quarters of a page. And uh, even Donnie said, wow, you don't even really have much wrote down. Do you do this every week? And it's like, no, I normally do the opposite of this. I normally over plan too much, which is why I am. The podcast is over an hour long. But me and Donnie tend to have great banter back and forth over the phone, text messages, calling, whatever, about what's going on in the world of wrestling. And I hope that we can bring that to you today. We're going to go very quickly through the pre-show because the pre-show this year is just like any other year. It's two very throwaway matches. I'm assuming these matches are going to be on the pre-show. They haven't actually announced that yet. They just announced that they are matches. But with them being so meaningless and the card filling up pretty quickly, I'm assuming that the two fatal four-way tag matches, the showcase matches, are going to be pre-show matches. So in the first match that I have wrote down here is the men's fatal four-way tag showcase. It's the Street Profits versus the Viking Raiders versus the Alpha Academy, versus Braun Strowman, and Ricochet. This match has a ton of talent in it. I'm a big Viking Raiders fan. I rave on and on about Chad Gable on the podcast every week, and the stuff going on with him and Otis has actually been fairly entertaining. It is ha-ha, pass away, you know, TV filler kind of stuff. I mean, it's not the pro wrestling that real hardcore wrestling fans want to see, but... It's been entertaining nonetheless, and then everybody loves the Street Profits. Both of those guys have megastar potential, especially Montez Ford. So, I mean, this, this match has some talent in it, but it's something that I'm probably not going to pay a ton of attention to. Yeah, I don't know either. With it, you know, me on the pre-show, I don't know what they'll do. I, I heard a thing the other day where Braun is technically undefeated at WrestleMania. That is true. Braun is undefeated at WrestleMania. So, but can you see him and Ricochet... Really continuing on as a tag team. I I think that they eventually lead to breaking them two up. You know, they had some Twitter beef in the past where Braun was talking about the flippy guys and then Ricochet called him out and then two weeks later they were a tag team on TV. So I'm a, I'm assuming that that's leading to an eventual breakup. We may see it at WrestleMania. We may see it down the road. Either way, I don't care a ton about it <laughs> if we're being completely honest. But I want to see more out of the Alpha Academy. I'm hoping that we do at least get... If there's going to be a storyline coming out of this match, I would like for it to be the Alpha Academy, possibly splitting up or something going down there. As the pre-show is going on, I would assume that me and you are probably going to be getting our food ready and getting ready for the show, whatever that may consist of. Or 
if that's on night one, you'll probably be making your way down here after your marathon. But right. it, um, again, this is a throwaway match. We've already spent too much time on it. I so. wish I wish they would have just done a triple threat between Montez, Chad Gable, and Ricochet. But oh man, that would have been uh, a phenomenal match. That yeah, could have been on the main card. Street profits, street profits. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, in the next match, we have the women's fatal four way. It's Natalia and Shotzi versus Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler versus, I'm assuming it's going to be Chelsea Green and somebody. We're recording this on the Sunday before the go-home Raw and the go-home SmackDown. So Chelsea Green's been entertaining on TV, and that could just be me being biased. I'm a huge Matt Cardona fan. I followed his indie run. Donnie probably hasn't watched a Chelsea Green match ever. I saw her get thrown out in two seconds in the Royal Rumble. So So that makes you just not care as a wrestling fan, I would assume. (laughs) Yeah, and that's probably how most wrestling fans see that. So just me being a mark, I mean, I I like Chelsea Green. I'm a huge Liv Morgan fan. I cannot hide that at all. She's one of my favorite talents. I've compared her to Charlotte and Becky and Bailey a few weeks ago on the podcast, which is probably an overstatement, but I'm just a huge fan of hers. I think uh, Raquel Rodriguez is the next challenger if Rhea wins. So I could I see those two winning because I think Raquel is the person that has the most star potential other than Liv. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Raquel was a huge star in NXT. She had a good thing going there. She came up to the main roster, and she's one of the few NXT people, which she came up whenever Vince was still around. So you know how the NXT people kind of had a little stink on them on the main roster whenever Vince was still there. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming Triple H is about to start kind of slowly eliminating that. Like if you come up from NXT, you're going to be treated like a regular superstar. You might have to pay your dues and be in the undercard and then be in the mid card. But like a guy like Braun Breaker or Carmelo Hayes, who are actually main eventing the NXT show this weekend, I would assume when they come up, they're going to be shoved right into a some kind of feud that means something, some kind of intercontinental title U.S. run within their first year. Mm-hmm. Braun's one of those guys. He may get the Brock Lesnar treatment. I don't know what they're going to do with him, but the way that they treat him in NXT lends me to believe that he may be something special on the main roster immediately when he comes up. But Raquel went through that. She's slowly working her way out of it. I don't think she has a ton of character yet, mm-hmm. but that could just be booking we don't really know. I've seen Raquel at her best in NXT, and I thought it was good enough to be champion on the main roster, but this well, match itself is just terrible. Well, I don't like, I mean, my wife's not a huge wrestling fan, and she will walk in the room, and when Raquel Rodriguez is in the ring, she'll stop and watch her. Oh. She actually will. So that means something to me because she doesn't do that very often. That's a good judge. I mean, it's kind of like, we'll talk about this later. I mentioned on the podcast a couple weeks ago, the Brock and Omos thing. Yeah. People that don't really watch wrestling, they can at least get some kind of enjoyment out of that, and they can see a star well, when they see Omos and Brock, they see a moment. So, mm-hmm. um, as far as the Ronda and Shayna stuff goes, the stuff they done on SmackDown this past week, I don't know if you watched it, I but did. it was just the most cringeworthy, bad professional yes. wrestling. It's the worst side of professional wrestling. Ronda Rousey has digressed since she's been in the WWE. Her first match, I think, I think it was her first match, was at WrestleMania 34. I was in the building for, and I was not expecting much, and I got way over my expectations it was probably the second best match on the card that night behind uh seth finn and Mm -hmm. miz so that's saying something for it being her first match and then she's just kind of went downhill from there yeah from the wrestlemania main event to this that's a pretty pretty spectacular drop yeah so you know those are your pre-card matches um your pre-show matches again I, i don't the fourth tag team it doesn't really matter who it is because the match is such a throwaway match that if that's the only match that's going to be at wrestlemania i think that hasn't been announced that is not complete yet. So we're going to go ahead and jump into the main card. Before we get started on the main card, I wanted to ask you, 
What are the three matches you're looking forward to the most heading into this year's WrestleMania? It could be story. It could be quality of the match potential. It could be, well, this guy was my favorite wrestler in WWE right now. It could be any of those things. But what three are you looking forward to the most? Well, I mean, I'm not going to try to be uh, too cool for school here. I mean, obviously, Roman, Cody. I mean, anyone says otherwise. Rhea and Charlotte, huge Rhea Ripley fan. And for just three... I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I'm going to say if they do Demon Balor and Brood Edge in a Hell in a Cell, that'll be one I'm really going to look forward to. Well, that's the speculation right now is that it is going to be the Demon Balor, uh, the Demon Finn Balor, and then some version of the Brood Edge. There was a spoiler that I caught online this week that I don't even want to say on the podcast right now because I was so mad when I seen it. (laughs) But I think with Edge last Monday on Raw, he pretty much confirmed that Finn Balor is going to be the Demon he said, bring the demon, I'll be the devil. So uh-huh. I think that's what we're going to see. We haven't seen Demon Finn Balor in a long time, so it's going to be special. It's going to be a big moment. It's going to feel special again. You know, Finn, whenever he would bring out the demon in the past, it was a special moment, and then it kind of got overplayed. And then the stuff with Bray Wyatt kind of just killed off the demon character completely. And then in his match against Roman where the uh, where the rope broke, he was the demon, I believe. And again, just kind of kills the character. So... Bring it back in this match. Make it feel special. Um, we will get into all of that. But those are your three favorite. I'll go ahead and list off my three favorite just because I am going to be incredibly cliche. <laughs> my three is going to be John Cena and Austin Theory because I do think that it has the potential to be a, a pretty good match. I'm not. Gonna, it's not going to be one of the best matches of the weekend. I just don't believe that. It you know it might be in the top half, but it's not going to be one of the top three. But just a moment for me. You know, John Cena in my childhood was the U.S. champion, and then he worked his way up and became WWE champion. So I remember that first WrestleMania moment that John Cena had was becoming U.S. champion. Theory coming in as the U.S. champion, defending against John Cena, it means a lot to me. I'm also a huge, the biggest Seth Rollins mark you will ever meet. Donnie commented whenever he came over to my house, he hadn't been over here since I hung an autographed picture of Seth Rollins in my <laughs> living room. Um, my wife gave me the approval to do that. It's a one-of-one autographed Seth Rollins picture. It's like a three-foot by four-foot poster. Uh, so I'm a huge Seth Rollins fan, and I think I do think that that match has the potential to be the best pro wrestling match of the weekend. It could be 10 stars in the Tokyo Dome-style <laughs> wrestling match. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, I mean, like Donnie said, if somebody's telling you that they're not anticipating the Roman and Cody match, they're just trying to be a mark and they're trying to be cool and they're trying to be, you know, this know-it-all kind of wrestling fan. Everybody's excited for that. But we'll get into all that. I just wanted to ask you what your top three were and we'll go ahead and get into the main card. So speaking of John Cena and Austin Theory, it was announced on SmackDown that they are going to kick off WrestleMania weekend for us, aside from the pre-show stuff. They're going to be the first match on the first night of WrestleMania. Um, I've already mentioned the kind of the, the history and the the play on pro wrestling's past that's coming up here with John Cena going after the U.S. title this late into his career. I mean, John Cena rarely ever comes around anymore, so whenever he does come around, it's really special. Austin Theory, who some would argue is almost a carbon copy of early John Cena, going in to defend the title. Austin Theory has incredible star potential. He's missing a few things here and there, and John Cena kind of pinpointed him a few weeks ago on Raw, Mm -hmm. which... He may have went overboard a little bit. He may have torn him down just a touch too much, but it felt real. It felt cool. I'm excited for this match for many reasons, but those are just a few. Do you got any thoughts on the match? Well, the reason um, the reason I think he tore him down is Austin Theory, 
you know, when he won the money in the bank, obviously they did I don't think they expected Roman to the bloodline to take off like it did. So they had to kind of get away out of that because they kind of booked themselves in the corner. So with theory, he has to, he got booked pretty bad there for a little bit where he was jobbing. So this is his moment. He can't just win the match. He has to overcome a lot of adversity in it. This is the match that'll make him. This is the match that will, you know, it'll be the one that'll propel him into that main event level and people will think differently of him once the match is over. That's the kind of match I'm looking for it to be when uh, it's over and Theory wins. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. That's kind of the way I've been looking at this match too. Whenever John Cena won the U.S. title from Big Show at WrestleMania 20, it kind of felt like John Cena's coming out party. He was mm-hmm. getting over big time with the Doctor of Thugonomics thing and was slowly sort of starting to twist that character just a little bit. Starting to get over. He went through a rough patch. Then he got over. The fans loved him. Theory coming in as a heel here is a little bit different, but it's very much the same. This could be a career-defining match for Austin Theory. Mm -hmm. It could be the match that launches him into the next stratosphere being a main eventer. If they keep two belts around, which there's rumors going around that they may just stay with one world champion. If they keep two belts around, Austin Theory is a guy that can hold a title. I don't know if... And even maybe maybe this propels him so far into stardom that even if there is just one title, that he could be that guy. We don't really know. I don't know that that's Austin Theory's MO just yet, but this could be the match that sends him into that next stratosphere. You're correct on that. Well, I know Vince wanted him to be the guy, so I think he's winning Triple H back over just based on the way he's been booked and pushed here lately. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with Austin Theory, that is, you know, that was the rumor going around was Vince seen Austin Theory as John Cena. Yeah. It, it was just blatant as could be. He said, here's my next guy. It's kind of like whenever he was looking for the next Hulk Hogan and he had Lex Luger sitting there. Mm-hmm. That's the way it felt with Austin Theory. And he kind of got the, the Lex Luger treatment from the fans and from Triple H, it seemed like. Yeah. It kind of seemed like Triple H was like, whoa, dude, you're not the guy that you think you are, that you've even been told you are. You got to prove something to these fans because. Triple H seen right through the bullshit, it seemed like. Yeah. He's seen right through kind of what the fans were seeing right through. So, And and props to Triple H for that. We could go on and on about how good Triple H is booked to this WrestleMania, and that's one of oh, yeah. just one of the another reasons why. The next match on the card is Brock Lesnar versus Omos, a match that I have completely took a crap on on the podcast. But at the same time, WWE is trying to appeal to all audiences. That is part of WrestleMania. WrestleMania is the casual fans uh, introduction to wrestling every year. One way to get that is you got the former UFC heavyweight champion, a guy who everybody knows who he is. If you've heard of WWE, you know who Brock Lesnar is. And then you have this monstrosity of a human being who's over seven foot tall, probably legitimately over seven foot tall. He has a good look. Omos has, I don't know. He's been pretty bad in the ring so far. But we'll see. There's there's finally... This match is one of those... It, at least it's got a story. At least it has something going into it to make you kind of care about it. Is it probably going to be a train wreck? Yeah. Is It pro- It might be a quick match, too. That's something that nobody... You know, it could be a um, Goldberg-esque or a Ultimate Warrior-esque um, run-through. I don't know that Brock will let Omos do that to him. I'm assuming Omos is going over here. That's mm. my assumption. I don't know... That's just kind of how it's feeling to me. I mean, I would have Brock win. That's just me because I'm not a big Omos fan. But it's feeling to me like Omos is going to pick up the win here. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on the match at all? Well, one of the one of the most iconic moments I remember from, uh, I guess, when I was a teenager, was seeing the spectacle of Goldberg jackhammering uh, the Giant at the time. 
So to see Brock possibly F5 someone as huge as Omos, I mean, that, you know, every match doesn't have to be a five-star, 30-minute, you know, clinic. So sometimes you need that big spectacle of just two guys that have that larger-than-life look to it. And no one's expecting, you know, HBK, Bret Hart. But to see Brock possibly F5, I mean, that could be one of the biggest moments of WrestleMania, no matter how crappy the match is. I agree with that, and I do think that we're going to get that. I think that we're going to get Brock F5-ing Omos. Like you're saying, I mean, sometimes you need that big... I guess I phrased it like Big E a few weeks ago on the podcast. You need those two big meaty men slapping meat. You know, <laughs> people like to see that. And I, I told you, you know, whenever that match was announced between Lashley and Brock, I want to see that two or three times a year. I want, yeah. I do like to see that. I don't know if Omos is the guy I want to see that with. And I hate to sell him so short. It feels like I'm just taking a big crap all over him right now. But I, I want to be surprised by this match. If Omos comes out and delivers any bit of a good match to me, this match is a huge success in my eyes. I've heard that Paul Heyman always has a big hand in this type of stuff, and I think he'll figure out a way to keep it short and just that big spectacle feel where it's not going to go on too long. The next match on the card is one that I'm getting incredibly excited for. This past SmackDown kind of sealed the deal on exactly how excited I am for it. It's going to be Rey Mysterio versus his son, Dominic Mysterio. This match... I don't know, man. It's been building for a very long time. I I think that if I looked it up correctly, I'm pretty sure that Dominic turned on Ray at Clash at the Castle. That feels like ages ago. That was right after SummerSlam. This match has been building since then, and even a little bit before then. You know, I heard people saying that Dominic was going to turn on Ray at last year's WrestleMania, and I guess we can kind of get into Dominic's growth right here because you were telling me before we got started here how impressed you've been with Dominic. Dominic last year, whenever he came out at WrestleMania, I was so underwhelmed to even see him. I mean, it was kind of cool because they had the gear, you know, he had the Eddie gear on, they, they had the, the whole thing, and they had a match with Logan Paul, who I was really excited to see. But other than that, I was not hyped to see Dominic. And it, it's been that way for a really long time. You know, he came in during the COVID stuff when there was no fans, and he was even more bland. I don't. I don't know. I thought that time. That time, as much good as it done for Roman Reigns to not have fans around to develop his uh, heel persona, mm-hmm. it done Dominic just as much bad because he didn't have the fans telling him what they actually thought. But Dominic now, he's got to be one of your top three heels in, in WWE at least. And when Ray finally hit him this week after he yelled in his mom's face, the pop was so loud that it cracked the TV. I mean, you could hear like a pop in the TV. You could actually hear, you know, I've always wondered why they call it a pop. That's exactly why it <laughs> popped, popped the speakers. <laughs> I actually popped for that one. Yeah, but Dominic, he used to be change the channel. I mean, just because, and uh, like I was telling uh, Dylan earlier, I think he always made the mistake of trying to wrestle like Ray, and he's just, he does, he's not, no one's that athletic. So now I think he's finding more of his style. You know, WWE is so character based. And he's finally found that character. You know, however they decided to do the, you know, the the condom or whatever, I mean, that was definitely a, sh- a chance because that could have went completely the other direction. But it, it's worked out fantastically. Yeah, I mean, it was intended to be funny ha-ha, and it is very funny ha-ha, but it has this, this almost like this piece of seriousness to it to where it's like, okay, well, maybe he's not really a convict. Maybe he didn't really actually go to prison. But he is kind of a mean dude. He's kind of a... A, a cowardly badass he's kind of a i'll do anything to get over on you kind of guy he's he's playing the role of a chicken shit heel pretty well yeah. but at the same time he's not too chicken shit because he confronts Ray every single week 
Mm-hmm. And then finally, Ray, and this story feels so real to me too, because yeah. I was a 911 operator in a small town for a little while. And we used to get a bunch of domestic calls of parents having trouble out of their children and they didn't want to <laughs> right. do anything to them. <laughs> and you could feel that from Ray. You could yeah. feel that I'm trying to be a good dad kind of thing out of him. Mm-hmm. But then whenever he disrespected Ray's wife and his, you know, Dominic's mom, it pushed Ray over the edge and he finally snapped. Well, so awesome because I, I used a similar cut down to a very overly privileged guy I grew up with one time. When I was like, oh, the worst thing that happened to you is your parents bought you an Xbox instead of a PlayStation. So when he did the BMW Mercedes, it kind of <laughs> it was hilarious. Well, everybody knows PlayStation's better anyways. <laughs> right. But I will say on some final thoughts on this. If this is Rey Mysterio's last match, what a better way to go out. You know, it's he's going to the Hall of Fame this weekend. If his son pinning him is the last guy to put his back on the mat, what a better way to go out. I mean, you literally can't write it any better than that. No. The story is a little bit too serious for it to feel like this legacy moment but i think when we look back on it a couple of years from now and we think about ray mysterio's career i do think that we're going to look back at this dominic match and think about how great the, the storyline going in was and i think that they actually may put on a really good match well it's interesting because there could be so many different payoffs because like with ray it's almost like dominic's messed with him so much how does he not go over but like you say if it's his last match he's definitely going to put his son over but you know, but how does that work? Does he get to a point to where he just doesn't have it in him to six one nine him or whatever, and then that costs him the match? Or, but I hope there's some kind of you know, I'm usually, I'm not a huge like handshake after the match fan, but I would like some kind of conclusion. Like if Dominic does win, that they somehow bury the hatchet and kind of move forward. I don't know how they would do that, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been a lot of talk of what are they going to do at the Hall of Fame this year? They've never incorporated a storyline into a Hall of Fame ever. It's never been a thing. I've been to uh, six or seven Hall of Fames. It feels like prom. It feels like a very prestigious thing that you're going through. Typically, 80 to 90% of the fans sit there in silence. They clap like a golf clap. It's not a wrestling event. So what happens at this year's WrestleMania? Does Dom come up? You know, the only thing that sucks about this is Dom should have been the guy to induct him into the Hall of Fame. I think that they said that Conan is going to be the guy that inducts him to the Hall of Fame, which is super cool. I mean, and that's one of his homies for a very long time. But I just think that, you know, you bring your son in, and it's the second-generation thing, or I guess this is probably a third-generation thing for them. I'm not super familiar with Ray's background. I used to be when I was a kid because I was such a huge Ray fan. But he's second- or third-generation. He got the second- or third-generation treatment when he came in. You know, the mega push. He's a tag-team champion, whatever. And now that Ray's finally going into the Hall of Fame, I would have loved to have seen Dom induct him. But I think that, you know, if this is the career-ending match for Ray, if he does, I, I think it'd be cool to hear him announce it, you know, with the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, this this weekend's going to be my last match, and it sucks it has to be against my son, but this is how I want to go out. And then maybe Dom pins him. And then, I don't know, maybe, maybe not directly after the match. I don't want to see the whole Ring of Honor, handshake of yeah, honor kind of thing. Right. But maybe the next night on Raw, Ray comes out, and they kind of squash it and bury it, mm-hmm. give a little hug, let Dom go back to being an asshole the next week or on Friday on SmackDown, however it turns out. Yeah. Or he could do the Jericho to HBK and kick him right in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely a possibility. <laughs> the next match on the card is a women's match. It is Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish Stratus versus Damage Control, which consists of Bailey, Io Sky, and Dakota Kai. This match is it's it's fallen by the wayside for me just a little bit, you know, which is really weird because I am if I had to pick a favorite uh, female superstar, I know I talk about Liv a lot, but Becky's probably my favorite. 
Um, I was there when she won the main event at WrestleMania, and it meant a lot to me. And the fact that I've got three daughters and can kind of, if they ever do get interested in wrestling, which my oldest has already taken a little bit of interest in it, I can point to Becky Lynch and say, you know, anything's possible. It took her 30, it took the women 35 years, but this is what you can do. You know, don't let men set limits on you kind of thing. Not to be like overly feminist, but I can at least point to that. <laughs> but, you know, Becky being in this match, I, I kind of would assume that, you know, if you would have told me about this coming, you know, this coming up, I would have said that I would be extremely interested in it. But I just don't feel a ton of interest in this. But I will say one thing leading into this. They've done a good job with the build. It's not been crazy good. Um, Becky and Bailey kind of going back and forth on social media has been entertaining. And EO Sky and Dakota Kai have been all-stars, in my opinion, mm -hmm. this year. Ever since SummerSlam, they've done really well. I, it really, really sucks they took the tag titles off of them, though. But they done it in the name of storylines, so that's fine with me. You got any thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, Trish Stratus was one of the first uh, major stars I saw because I was uh, 17, 18 years old during the Attitude Era, so that was my, you know, big, big time in wrestling and seeing Trish and what she was able to do in that era, being able to main event a Raw and things like that. But this is the this is the uh, match where if you've got two veterans coming back, two Hall of Famers coming back, they're not going to lose, in my opinion, unless there's some kind of crazy Lita turning on Becky, kind of, which I don't see. I'd say that just being a kind of a straightforward, um, they, they winning and nothing maybe too. Yeah, I would. I mean, I know that, you know, both of those women have retired and they never, they hardly ever come around. Lita has a little trouble in the ring. She feels like she kind of has some rust to work off sometimes. Trish kind of seems like she's still got it though. Yeah. I would like to see Trish maybe stick around. If there's somebody that turns on somebody in the match, I think it'd be cool to see Trish either turn on Becky or start a program with Bailey coming out of this or something along those lines. And I want to see Dakota Kai and Io Sky get thrusted back into the tag division, somehow win the tag titles back from Lita and Becky, and then kind of go on their way and, and really start building up a women's tag division. They've got enough women. They just yeah. need to get tag teams, actual tag teams, and start developing storylines. Oh, yeah. But for me, I, I, I really see no way that Becky, Lee, and Trish lose. Yeah, that'd be hard to imagine, right? With the, you know, you got two Hall of Famers, yeah. one future Hall of Famer all on one side, and then them going out. I don't, I don't really see that either. The next match is a match that we've kind of already alluded to a little bit, a match that's going down in a hell in a cell. So we've got a big-time stipulation for a big-time match. This feud has been going on for what feels like forever. But it hasn't gotten stagnant. It hadn't gotten stale. It got a little weird there around the Royal Rumble time period coming out. You know, they had the match where it was um, Beth Phoenix was involved. And they kind of in involved her in the storyline a little bit here and there just to kind of give Rhea something to do because it kind of felt like they were like, okay, well, we got to have this transitionary, transitionary period where we're getting Rhea to the Royal Rumble. And now we're here. Now we're finally in this match. Finn Balor is one of the best workers in WWE right now. Edge mm -hmm. is, he's still got it, but at one point he was the best worker in WWE. He does a really great job with the character work. This week on Raw, he talked about being the devil and for Finn to bring the demon. So we're getting all the glitz and glamour that goes into this match. What do you think about it? Well, and this is, this is to me, has some um, similarities to Ray and Dominic because how much longer is Edge going to keep wrestling? You know, there's been no talk of like when he may finally have had enough. But this is a match, really. I think it depends on how much time they give it. If if it's going to be in a hell in a cell, you know, it can't be some short. You know, if they, they need fifteen or sixteen minutes, if they really let them go at it. And I was I was going to look this up, but has the has the Demon Balor ever lost yet? 
Yes, uh, technically he lost to Roman. I'm sure he's lost a couple more. Okay, so I, that wouldn't be any monumental thing for him to lose to Brood Edge, if yeah. that is what they end up doing. But yeah, I, I'm interested because it has been going a long time, but I don't know. It's nothing that I, it's it's not one that I've seen and have turned the channel or gotten tired of yet. But so this definitely has to have a really good payoff, though. And I think both of those, uh, both of them with their skill together, will put on a fantastic match. I do think it's going to be different than any Hell in a Cell match we've kind of seen in the past, or at least the big ones that everybody remembers. I don't think you're going to see a lot of flying off the top of the cell or any of that kind of stuff. I think that you're going to see a very aggressive, very, I don't know, like a just a straight-up brawl inside of the Hell in a Cell. So I, I'm super excited for it. If you're going to pinpoint one feud to kind of give Triple H a ton of credit for going forward. I think that this one is a good one because this one could have gotten stagnant. It could have gotten stale. And about the time that it was going to get stagnant or stale, Triple H was able to redirect course. And coming out of SummerSlam, you know, once he took over the booking role, I think that he's done a great job making Finn look strong. He turned the Judgment Day from something that people were already starting to hate into the best faction in WWE outside of the bloodline right now. Yeah, so I think Damian, I think Damian Priest is a future you know, world champion main event. I've been high on him for a long time. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of factors into that match. This is one of those, I'm not bringing up the other company, but this is one of those I hate that Christian isn't available because I think it would be the perfect moment for he to be involved if Finn and Absolutely. Uh, if they were to, if you know, I think that'd be just perfect if he were able to come in and like help out. But yeah, I do see Damien getting involved somehow on the, in this match because he's not on the card and I'm I'm 100% with you. I've never mentioned it on podcasts, but I am a huge Damian Priest fan. Uh-huh. I collect his sports cards and the whole deal. I, I'm so high on him. And I remember seeing him in Ring of Honor back. Cody Cody was doing a show in um, Nashville with Ring of Honor. It was going to be him. The Young Bucks were there. Marty Scurll, who I know is not the most popular guy in the world, but at the time he was a huge deal in the independents. Um, all those guys are going to be there. Had no clue who Punishment Martinez was. But... Whenever he was there, I even told my wife, I said, that guy is going to be a big deal in mm-hmm. some some way, shape, or form in the future. Had no clue that AEW is going to come about, but if AEW would have been a thing at the time, I would have probably put him in that category because he was in Ring of Honor. But he has transitioned very well into the, into the WWE style. He has this great look. Mm-hmm. He's from Puerto Rico, so he has that foreign appeal that the WWE loves. They, you know, the, the WWE loves to have a Spanish... Um, superstar of some kind around at all times. Um, and with Ray going out, I think that Damian Priest is a guy, not that he's just, not that they're just trying to fill a, a checkbox or whatever, but he's a guy that can fill that role for them. You know, they try to do it in the past with Alberto Del Rio and guys like that. I think Damian Priest could be one of the biggest foreign stars uh, of this yeah. generation, no doubt. I don't know if, I don't think, I don't know. I wouldn't ever say like promo wise with The Rock, but he reminds me a lot of The Rock, like maybe right at the Nation of Domination Rock before, you know, he really went, you know, with the promo stuff. But just in the ring, his look, he looks like a superstar. Just looking at him, he looks like that Roman uh, in the shield kind of. Uh, yeah, feel. absolutely. I mean, he's big, he's tall, he moves around. He has a very Undertaker wrestling style where he's like long, but whenever he does stuff, it seems so graceful. It seems very not graceful in the way it seems like gymnastics, but graceful in the way of like, it doesn't look like he's about to hurt himself whenever he does crazy stuff. Right. You know, he, he executes his moves very well. Um, but as far as edge and Finn Balor goes, what do you, if, okay, so we're going to guess we're going to, I'm going to assume I would like to see Finn Balor win here. It's kind of what I'm hoping for. Um, 
again, I, I seen a spoiler online earlier in the week that kind of lends me to believe otherwise, but I'm going to go with my gut feeling here. I'm going to go with what I'm hoping for, and that's Finn Balor takes the win here. It, the storyline lends itself to Edge winning, but I'm, I'm hoping for Finn Balor here. We will see Edge spear him out of the hell in the cell a bit. That would be incredible. That and really cool. can my favorite wrestler, AJ Styles, come back? That's a possibility. <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't heard much on AJ leading into this WrestleMania, which is weird. I try to avoid spoilers at all costs, yes. but my Twitter is full of so many people who just think that that's the coolest thing in the world, that they have a piece of information that somebody else doesn't have. Yeah. Last year at WrestleMania, you, know, you were really surprised whenever Damian Priest joined Edge at WrestleMania. I knew it was coming, so I hated it. You know, I was just so pissed. I mean, it was cool to see Damian Priest out there because, like, again, at the time I was a big Damian Priest fan, but I knew it was coming. It ruined the moment for me. So. I won't be on Twitter till after WrestleMania. I've taken no <laughs> chances of seeing anything. You got a whole week right now. So, yeah. all right, the next match is a match that I've crapped on for weeks. It still has not done anything for me. This week, they at least got a little physicality in, and that is Bianca Belair versus Asuka. Man, I just this match is probably. I mean, it's probably going to be a pretty good match. But other than that, you got any thoughts on it? I mean, Bianca's kind of in the same uh, thing with Roman. I mean, she's had the title for so long. Uh, is this the is this the time she loses it? Because I'm going through the card, and I, and you know they always switch titles, but they're not going to switch them all. But even if they did a fifty fifty, you can kind of figure out what may switch. So for Bianca, uh. I just I can't see her losing to Oscar because the buildup's just not being enough for Oscar to win. Like for me, yeah, Oscar coming back with this character was really cool, but they have done zero with it. Um, I don't know. A lot of that depends on though. I just I feel so bad for her because the majority of the WWE audience or the WWE audience that um, the WWE itself bases its storylines around is English speaking. And she can't speak very good English. And I think that hinders her. I know it's not as big of a deal now as it was in the 80s. You know, um, I've heard Bruce Pritchard talk a lot about where he, well, he couldn't talk. So we had to get him a mouthpiece. That's why everybody had a mouthpiece back in the day. Because nobody could talk. But the foreigners, especially back in the 80s and 90s, doing awful because they couldn't speak English. I'm not saying that it's the 80s and 90s and that Asuka should just never get pushed because she can't speak English because we all know how good Asuka is. We all know what she's capable of. She can put on a five-star match anytime she wants to. But the problem is, is how do you get her over? How do you make fans care about her? She has a segment of fans. She does have a segment of fans like me, like you, who just like wrestling. But how do you get her over with everyone else who's just... I hate to keep using the word casuals, but even like kids, how do how do I tell my daughter that she's good or that she's cool? You know, like because she's not going to say it. She's not going to say things that make her seem good or cool. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter loves Seth Rollins, thank God, but she loves Seth Rollins because of the singing and the dancing and some of the stuff that he says that she can actually grasp and understand. Seth Rollins gets over with my three year old. Oscar doesn't really have that ability because my three-year-old doesn't understand what a good wrestling match is. Yeah, and Oscar, she has so many accolades at this point. I mean, it doesn't hurt her to not beat Bianca. I mean, what was the first Royal Rumble winner? She had that streak in NXT. So, it just to, for me, with a title for a title to change, they typically have a much better story than this. Especially for a long title reign like Bianca's had. Like I, you don't, said. I don't see her losing it like this. There would there would have to be something. It's more of a build, more of a grudge kind of thing, I think, before she'll finally lose it. 
if Bianca wins here, do you have anybody that you think should be in the title picture next? Uh, I know you said Raquel for Rhea if, if Rhea wins. What about for um, Bianca if she retains right here? I mean, and it's see, going back to the earlier on the card. See, I, I always, I would like to, I, I think a, a Bailey and Bianca match would be interesting. That's exactly where I was going. That's yeah. who I think should challenge for the title next is Bailey. Bailey's done such an incredible job since she's been back. I, I, I don't think she would take the fall in that six women's match. I think no. So I think you see Dakota Kai okay. or Io Sky take the fall. I would I would assume that Dakota Kai does it because she's such she's so good at selling that she can make Lita's uh, swanton or whatever the hell it's called the backflip. Um, mm-hmm. She can sell that and make it look fierce, or she can take a, a disarmor from Becky Lynch or whatever the deal is. So I would assume Dakota Kai takes that fall. But one thing I hope WWE doesn't do coming out of that is split up damage control. Yeah. I need damage control to just ruin Bianca Belair's day every day for the next <laughs> three months until Bailey wins the title. See, this is one of those times you need Vince Russo still there so he could have Asuka spit the mist and she uh, bat it with her hair right back into Asuka's face. <laughs> you need some bad booking. <laughs> yeah. We need some bad booking to make this match make sense. Uh, so the next match on the card is the one – if. If, I, if it's not going to be Seth and Logan, I'm going to pick this match as the match of the weekend, and it's going to be Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre versus Gunther. Now, this match has one of... It may be the shortest build on the card, but man, does it have some emotion involved. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, you know, they, they let their real-life best friendship come out on TV. You know, both of these guys moved to Nashville around the same time and become buddies and they have their whole little click up there with uh, Rusev, a.k.a. Miro. And and you see it on social media. They're always hanging out outside of work. And now it's on TV for us. Drew McIntyre is somebody who's been robbed and robbed and robbed and robbed of WrestleMania moments. Bless his heart. And Sheamus is a guy who's been with the company for so long. It's kind of hard to imagine he's not a Grand Slam champion. He could do that this weekend. And Gunther is a bona fide badass. Gunther is one of the coolest guys in all the WWE right now. And he's another one that I think, man, how do you take the title off of him here? He has the longest intercontinental title reign since Honky Tonk Man. Sheamus Sheamus misses Gunther, uh, hits Drew. Uh, Yeah, this is the perfect opportunity to have Gunther lose the title without losing because I see Gunther being huge around SummerSlam, maybe for Cody. If, you know, if I saw sort of a rumored spoiler, but if not then, at least by the end of the year. I see Gunther really heading toward the world title pitcher, so you don't want – obviously you want to protect him, and the best way, honestly, is for – you know, some kind of thing. Sheamus could get the uh, the Grand Slam. Oh, Je- yeah, sure. Sheamus could get that. Gunther could lose without losing and then go, you know, propel himself up, you know, go to the bigger title pitcher. And then, yeah, it's going to be a great match. It's going to be just hard hitting. What you said, the Big E says. <laughs> oh, the big meaty man. It's going to be. Me. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be. Yeah, it's one. Of, it's definitely one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I cannot be more excited for this match. I'm a a bona fide Drew McIntyre fan too. I, th- I, I bet you guys think that everybody is my favorite wrestler, but I am such a big Drew McIntyre fan. Sheamus needs his flowers. I think at some point, so people have to start giving Sheamus his flowers. And Gunther, man. Gunther, I do think, is going to be in the title picture with by the end of the year. But if he only needs like another two and a half months to break Honky Tonk Man's reign, 
I think you should let him keep it. I, I'm voting for Gunther to win here. If not Gunther, then Sheamus, which is really weird because if I had to pick a favorite wrestler in this match, it would be Drew. But one of the things I, the one of the things I hate about wrestling in general, though, and like I'd always understand NXT. You know, the guy wants to put over the next guy before or the next lady, put over the next lady before they go to the main roster. But you know, it's like if I'm the champion and this person pins me, then why wouldn't they just go to the main roster? If because you know, so with Gunther, I don't want him to lose the title, the Intercontinental title is straight up one-on-one match and then go and try to feud with Cody because in a way it's like, well, if Gunther can't beat you know, Rassler B, then why is he now going for the world title when he can't defend the Intercontinental title? So. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That seems to be the way that it goes a little bit. Um, yeah, you're on a little bit of a time constraint. If you're trying to get Gunther in the title picture by SummerSlam, it's going to be a little weird if he holds the Intercontinental title for two more months. This is the perfect moment to keep him strong. I get all that, but at the same time, I mean, it's just we could see history, and I, I'm a big fan of history. That's why I'm always so big on being at WrestleMania. I think being at WrestleMania is such a big deal as a fan, and if you've never been as a fan, just go. You can find cheap ways to go, I promise. I, I had my whole trip planned out this year for under $700, before I just totally decided to not go. So, I mean, 700 bucks. I know that that's not a little bit, but I don't know. I think that seeing history made is cool. So, I think that, I don't know, man. I, I just believe that Gunther should retain. Yeah, um, Obviously, should, I can I can see other ways around it, though. But, no, but this is kind of funny. But, you know, if Bray Wyatt falls out, it would make zero sense. But, you know, could you imagine the meaty men slapping if somehow Lashley got added and it was a fatal four-way? But no, nah, that I mean that's just totally ridiculous. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've and I actually seen that kicked around on Twitter. I mean, if you need a spot for Lashley, wow. I've seen I've <laughs> seen a couple people rumored to come in. Obviously, AJ Styles is one. Randy Orton's getting ready to come back, um, but I don't think Randy's going to be in the match. I think they said he wasn't going to be ready. He's going to be in town, but he's not going to be ready, is what I've heard. But again, I've said several times that I'm not going to report on dirt sheet stuff. But that is cl- just straight up dirt sheet stuff right there. But. It would just yeah. suck for Lashley to be in the Battle Royal after he's done such a great job. He's scheduled year. for it. He's scheduled for the yeah. uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal on Friday night SmackDown. Uh, I mean. Yeah, that's Brock. Brock, once again, very smart. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So next is uh, one of my top three matches I said I was looking forward to. I can't talk enough good things about this build. Seth Rollins and Logan Paul are going to square off one-on-one. Um I'm sure there will be some shenanigans in the match. I'm sure that Rollins will do some pretty wild moves, as well as Logan Paul. I really want to see Logan Paul hit that buckshot lariat a couple more times uh, this year. So, um, I think this build has been excellent. I think that it's went exactly the way that it should have went. There feels like a very Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar WrestleMania 35 thing going on, where we get it. Logan Paul's not going to be around every week. So let Seth get out there. Seth's a phenomenal talker. So let him get out there. Let him talk. Seth's, I mean, arguably as over as he's ever been right now, strictly because of the singing and dancing thing. I mean, Seth finds way. Seth finds ways to reinvent himself every single year, um, and he's done it yet again this year. And part of that has led into this build. So, well, this is another one where you know. In reality, this probably should main event the first night because trying to follow this match, it's it's going to be just 
absolute chore to try because the things that they're going to do, just the Royal Rumble spot alone, that's that's going to be very hard to. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that it's going to be hard to follow on them. They're going to put on such a good match that I mean, what do you even do after them? This is going to be a match full of cool moves. I mean, I think a lot of AEW fans, and I'm not trying to take a dump on AEW fans right now, but a lot of AEW fans like cool moves. So if you're a cool moves match kind of guy, then this is probably the match of the weekend for you because Seth Rollins is going to try for a Phoenix Splash. Logan Paul is going to do some kind of dive to the outside. I I mean, I I can't even fathom. Logan Paul is going to go full Shane McMahon in this match, I believe. That's a good one. And I mean, like with the Royal Rumble, like Hillman Ricochet spot, I see he and Seth trying to top that or do something just as spectacular. So if they've got all that going on, just, you know, the, the match, the Roman match when he, you know, was, I guess, live, whatever, the jump off the top rope onto the table. Yeah. I mean, if he, they do stuff like that, I mean, I love Rhea and Charlotte, but that match is going to have so much excitement. And even the tag match, if it ends up main eventing, it's still going to be very, very hard to follow Seth and Logan. My argument for this match, main eventing uh, night one of WrestleMania, is if there's going to be one match that the media is going to be paying the most attention to, that you're not even your casuals, your people who think wrestling's dumb, your people who think wrestling, oh, don't you know wrestling's fake? You know, those kind of people. They're going to watch this match. They're going to watch clips from this match on Instagram. They're going to watch clips from this match on YouTube. This will be the most eyeballs on a match for the entire weekend. So I think that this match at main event WrestleMania night one, it's definitely not going to. I I don't believe that it's going to. I've heard two matches kicked around. We're about to get into both of them coming up in the next two matches. But I don't know. This match is going to be the match of the weekend. If if, uh, Gunther, Sheamus, and Drew aren't, this will be the one. Yeah, the athleticism and just they—they've built this up. Uh, we were going to talk. We thought about talking about like the best builds or whatever, but this one has been just absolutely perfect. You couldn't build this match any better than what they've done. Yeah, absolutely. So the next match that we have wrote down on the card is Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. Hold on, who do you have winning, Seth or Logan? Seth or Logan? Ah, uh, man, give it to Seth. I mean. The Logan has, I don't think Logan's lost yet for one. That's, or no, 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 no. He did. Did he lose his first WrestleMania? No, no, no. They won. If I remember correctly, they won. And then after the match, he gave Miz, or Miz gave him the skull crushing finale. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been a year. Sorry, guys. But yeah, I mean, I don't even think Logan's lost yet. Roman at the Saudi Arabia. Oh, Roman at Saudi Arabia. That is correct. But I think that Logan has got a strong enough build. He's not, he's not a main roster guy, he's not there all the time. Maybe I'm just being a mark for Seth Rollins. I'm going to go with Seth here. It makes the most sense to me. And plus, Seth's if if things go my way, Seth main events WrestleMania next year against Cody. Yeah, so. yeah, Seth's really earned it. Like just the performances he put in, you know, the, being the ultimate you know company guy putting people over. Like his his match with Cody. I mean, I really feel like he. I mean, not that Cody wouldn't have been made anyway, but Seth. He was absolutely perfect in making him look as good and as strong as possible. No, I'll die on that hill. I would say that Cody would not be a big, as big of a deal right now if it wasn't for Seth Rollins. Yeah, I think Seth was the MVP of 2022, you know, outside of the Roman thing. Yeah, so um, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair is the next match on the card. So this is rumored to be one of the two matches that could main event WrestleMania night one. And this match is the total opposite of the Bianca Belair and Oscar match. This match was one that's like, okay, it's a women's title match. They typically do an okay job, but not great with these. And Charlotte and Rhea have worked their asses off to make this matter. 
they've gave Charlotte some vulnerability. We've never seen that before. Charlotte seems like she's a little thrown off, even to the point where this week on SmackDown, the fans hit her with a what chant, and I thought it completely fried her brain completely out of her skull. She did not know how to react to it. Charlotte has done an okay job. I remember three or four weeks ago on the podcast, I talked about how Charlotte doesn't know how to be a babyface. She's going to have to come around, and she came around, but man... I think that Rhea Ripley, it's finally her time. I think that Rhea should be the definite outright winner for this. I think bring her Raquel or Liv or whoever. Let her destroy them and roll into SummerSlam on a hot streak. But, yeah, I think there's no other winner than Rhea right here. Yeah, Rhea, she – and one thing, you know, the pull-apart thing has been so overdone in wrestling, but they actually had a good one. Like, it was a really – like, it was a very entertaining pull-apart. But, yeah, with Rhea, this is – to me, she falls in the same kind of thing with Cody. I mean, this has to be her time. Like, she cannot come up short again for the big one. And I think Rhea, honestly – and it's maybe a little prisoner of the moment, but she's probably my favorite female superstar ever. And I see her, like, in Hollywood. I mean, she ha- I think she has that level of the way she looks, the way she's built. She could be a huge action star to me. Like, she could really transcend – even the WWE, if yes, given the opportunity. She's everything that the WWF back in the day wanted China to be. Yes. She can go in the ring. She can talk on the microphone. She has a viable character. I mean, she makes you buy into every single thing she does. She even, I think one of the reasons that Dominic Mysterio is so over mm-hmm. is because of his interactions with Rhea. And maybe Dom deserves some credit for Rhea. I mean, maybe that, you know, maybe Rhea has gotten over a little bit more because of the Judgment Day and Dom thing. But whatever the combination of stuff is, three years ago, whenever her and Charlotte faced off at WrestleMania, I knew Rhea's going to be one of your top stars of the next generation. We all knew that, right? She has the look. She can go in the ring. She can talk on the mic a little bit. Well, then she took that and built upon it and built upon it and built upon it to the point now where Rhea Ripley... Is she is she is she the biggest star? I mean, she may be the biggest female star on the card. I mean, I feel like to to wrestling fans, I think Rhea might be the biggest star on the card. I mean, all your all your regular fans are gonna think Charlotte, Lita, Trish. I get that, but as far as your week to week people, I think that Rhea is gonna be the person that comes out of this WrestleMania looking like the biggest star of the entire show. Yeah, and with Rhea, she has that thing. If you look at all the stars, all the big ones, all the the biggest draws, the biggest talents, well, maybe other than Hogan, but most of them went through transformations. And Rhea, she she could have settled for the blonde hair and the this, the that, but she kept on just kind of tweaking and tweaking and tweaking her character until she's finally found that it thing that really, you know, it's really interesting and really crosses over. Yeah, if you look at Rhea from her first days in NXT, it doesn't even look like the same person. No. I mean, she has evolved so much. You know, we've talked about Seth Rollins and, and even Austin Theory a little bit, but The Undertaker is known for the reason that he had such a good long run is because he was constantly evolving. And Rhea Ripley has done that every couple years or every year. She feels like she changes her stuff up a little bit. But I think that once you get locked in on such a good character, I think that it should stay around. I think this is the character for Rhea Ripley to carry on for the next five years. Obviously, she may have to manipulate it a little bit, but I think that this is this is the character for her. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was, you were talking about the pull-apart, and I noticed it too. Does this rivalry with Charlotte and Rhea remind you any of Triple H and The Rock, where there almost feels like there's a certain level of real professional jealousy between them to where they're both 
so competitive. They both want to be on top so bad that it almost it not almost it comes across on the TV screen. I mean, I'm not talking about like they go in the back and they just hate each other or anything like that. I mean, it is professional, but it is a level of jealousy to where it feels like, no, I'm supposed to be on top. No, I'm supposed to be the champion. And then the other person feels the exact same way. Does it feel that way to you at all? Yeah, I think I think it was Charlotte. I mean, for the longest time she was that like Uber athlete, you know, the just super athletic. She's a you know, she's tall, she's got muscle, she has that whole that whole thing going and then when Rhea comes in, she's bigger, she's stronger, just as talented. And I I would say that, you know, Charlotte probably feels threatened, just like, you know, any two people. You know, like you said, Rock and Triple H. You know, Triple H, he you know, sometimes through fault of his own, sometimes through injury, he got his turn got delayed quite a bit, you know, the King of the Ring and then um, when he injured his quad and so so with Charlotte it's like she's at the top, but she sees this Lady and Rhea that's ready to take her spot, and she doesn't want to give it up. Yeah, and absolutely. And I'm not trying to say that Charlotte is, um, I don't know, how people used to feel about Roman, but when Charlotte is around, she stays on top. But with Rhea coming in, it's like that's threatened quite a bit because Rhea, you can tell. And two, part of that, too, is the whole Triple H thing. That throws a kink into all of this. I mean, Mm -hmm. Charlotte's had this phenomenal career because Vince was booking and Vince saw a lot in Charlotte. And I'm sure Triple H does, too. And Ric Flair has been one of Triple H's best friends for 20 years, and I get all that. I'm not saying the nep- like I'm not saying nepotism's actually existent, but you can't tell me that whenever he's booking a show that he doesn't unintentionally probably see Charlotte as you know Rick's daughter or whatever, and sees a lot of Rick in her, or however you think that he sees that. With Rhea coming around and Charlotte knowing, well, she was a huge deal whenever Triple H was booking NXT. She was a monster. And then now she has won over the fans. She's developed this character that we've been talking about. And she's improved so much that Charlotte's like, I don't know. And we could, I mean, this is all of us just off the top here. I mean, this could not exist at all. It just feels that way. It comes across on screen, which means they're doing a good job. Well, you feel like, I mean, and Charlotte's incredible. I mean, if her name was Charlotte Jones, I think she'd still be in the main event. Absolutely. But Rhea, she has that thing where she came over from Australia I mean, worked. I mean, she. I mean, the the way that she's evolved and the way she's, you know, self made is the way I say it. And then, um, I do feel like Charlotte could be a little, you know, threatened by just how organically Rhea's done the thing because Vince would always do where he'd give someone a super push and then it was like he would just pull the rug out and almost like like break them down to see if they could climb out of the hole. And Rhea's definitely done that because it, three years ago I thought that they totally like screwed her up forever and she's. But no, she stayed in there. She's been resilient. She's tweaked her character, and now she's the biggest star, in my opinion. All right, winner. You got a winner. You're going. Rhea's got to go. Yeah, I think Rhea has. To, it's the obvious answer here. I think that Rhea wins this, carries the belt. I'll, I, I, I don't know. I've gotten addicted to long, long title reigns now. I would like to see Rhea carry it all the way into next year's WrestleMania, and then possibly see somebody either come out of come out of NXT, or we haven't gotten to see a great. Becky versus Rhea build yet. Oh, wow. I think that having Rhea go over on Becky at next year's WrestleMania would cement Rhea's career. It would make her an instant Hall of Famer. So I know that that is extremely far in the distance fantasy booking. Yeah. But they say that back in the day, WWE used to book WrestleMania to WrestleMania. Yeah. If I'm booking WrestleMania to WrestleMania, 
I say Rhea going over on Becky at next year's WrestleMania. And one of the best things they have done, and I don't know if it's Triple H or I guess it may be, they finally started making the titles mean more. You know, I, I've always hated when they try to use the title to get someone over. You should be over and should be the person to have the title for me. And they, they've done that now. Yeah, you, the title shouldn't make you. You should make the title. And the long title reigns certainly feels like that, you know. We're talking about all these title reigns right here. You know, you got Gunther eyeing down the longest intercontinental title reign of all time. You got Bianca with this long, long, I think she's held the title since last WrestleMania, if I'm correct. You got Roman Reigns with 940 something days. Long title reigns are cool. Usos. The Usos, yes. Mm -hmm. I was just about to say, the Usos are another one as well. I mean, when, when the title is held for a long time, it makes the winner feel that much more special. So. With that being said, talking about the Usos, let's get into the other match that is being discussed as the main event of night one. And the one that, if it's not Seth and Logan, this is the one that I feel like should main event uh, night one of WrestleMania. It is the Usos versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. We have a bloodline problem in the WWE right now, and these guys are going to take care of it, Donnie Howard. They're going to solve the problem that is the bloodline, or at least maybe... You have some different feelings on this match. You want to talk about them a little bit? Yeah, this match is one that, on paper, it should be the you know the two the two best friends. They reunite, they overcome evil. You know that whole storyline that's been in wrestling and movies forever. But my thing is they have done they've done so much. I mean, Kevin Owens with Stone Cold last year, Sami Zayn went from the jackass thing to now being a, I never thought I would see Sami Zayn as a main eventer. I used to like crap on him all the time. And now I see him as a legit potential main eventer. So if you stick them as tag team champions, I feel like it just, because the, unfortunately the tag titles just aren't as prestigious as they should be. So if you put Kevin and Sami as the champions, then, then what? Are they going to turn on each other six months from now? How do you how do you have them lose the titles and go their separate ways? So for me, I don't know. This card is one of those where you feel like you know the winners, and that's usually when they pull some curveball out to you know to make it something that you didn't see coming. And I think this match, I was telling Dylan on a SmackDown, that had such festival of friendship vibes. The way KO, because I mean, listen, Dylan's. My best friend, but if you know, if he cost me title shots and picked some other person over me and was beating me, I mean, I don't know. I I just I could see certain things going down. In how this many match. how many chair shots would it take for me hitting you before you finally gave up on our friendship? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Well, let me ask you this, okay? So you don't want them to get the tag titles and then them turn on each other, or you don't understand maybe how that would work. Would you rather them turn on each other in this match, or would you rather them lose clean? I mean, how do you? I get would out like of that? to see. I would like to see uh, KO. I think I think KO is a better heel than he is a face. Oh, absolutely. So I would like to see him like, oh, Sam, you thought I forgave you, you know, kind of thing. And because uh, you know those hoes have been the champions forever, but I mean, I mean, you have the whole Jay thing. I mean, yeah, he could. That could be a thing, uh, Sammy. I don't want to see that. Everybody hates my idea of Sammy. Uh, have playing along the whole time just to screw Cody, but I just I can't see a linear thing where KO Sammy hit a luva kick and then a stunner, then a one two three. We got the titles, yay! You know, I just I, I think that there's so much more that could be done with that long term. 
I do want to see that happen. That is that is what I'm hoping for. I, I totally agree with Donnie, or I at least see his side of things on what do you do next. I mean, this this I don't know this rivalry between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, or Kevin Steen and El Generico, or whatever everybody wants to say. It's been going on forever. It's like these. I mean, it's what they say all the time, and it's cliche as hell. But these two dudes are destined to just fight forever. They really are. I mean, that's the way it seems. And there's no way out of this. They've pinned themselves into a corner now where there's no way out of it other than either it happens at WrestleMania or it happens at SummerSlam or Backlash or Money in the Bank or whatever pay-per-view. I think it would be cool to see it happen at Money in the Bank. I want to see how that UK crowd reacts to them turning on each other. I also agree that Kevin Owens plays a much better heel. So it would make sense for him to turn on Sammy, but... It's too predictable. So I want to see, out of this, I want to see Sammy and Kevin win. I want to see Sammy turn on Kevin at Money in the Bank. Not for bloodline reasons, but just for some other reason. I don't know. I don't want him to get back in the bloodline. I'm over that. It was super duper duper entertaining while it lasted. But I want to see Kevin and Sammy win here. I think that if they're going to do something where they lose... It better be cool. It better be special. And I'm not saying that WWE is not capable of that, but I mean, you've built us to this moment. You built us. You built us to the elimination chamber moment too. But I thought there was no way that was going down. I mean, I thought there was no way that Sami Zayn was winning that match. But you've built us to another moment. So give it to us. Yeah, and the Sami. I just I don't think they can do the Big Show thing with Sami, where he was heel, turn back, and then turn heel again. So I think if someone does turn. I think it would have to be Owens. Yeah, I mean, and Kevin Owens is... Did he ever technically turn face after WrestleMania? Uh, Other than the bloodline stuff? He's Yeah, I mean, I guess technically you would consider him a face. And and now the fans are still behind him. Kevin Owens is, I mean, and this sucks because he had the match with Stone Cold. So now when you, you say this, it it makes it sound like, oh, well, you're, you know, you're just saying that because he had that match with Stone Cold and he uses a stunner. But Kevin Owens is the closest thing to Stone Cold we've got right now in the WWE because he does not march to the beat of anybody's drum. He is his own man. He's a DTA kind of guy. This is the first time we've seen Kevin Owens be friends with somebody in forever. I mean, even whenever he was friend, you, you know, you called back the Festival of Friendship. Even whenever he was friends with Jericho, he wasn't actually friends with him. He was manipulating him. He was using him. Is that what happens here? The t-shirts, the hugs, the it just that doesn't seem like a KO thing. Yeah, I mean, and to me. Kevin Owens is, you know, I walk alone, I'm a badass, I'm a prize fighter, so I agree with you very much, Donnie Howard. You make such good points. It's hard to argue against you, but this is what I want, dang it. This is <laughs> I want to see this moment. I want this to be a very happy WrestleMania. But they gave you the moment though already. The hug in the ring, the hug the again. So they've given you the two feel-good moments. There's got to be, if Cody's winning the title, which we'll get to, there has to be one of those, oh my God, what just happened kind of moments. And I don't know any other match that that really could happen in other than this one. Yeah, I, I again, I just can't, dis- <laughs> I can't even argue with you on that. So... With that being said, you're you're hoping the Usos retain here, or what? I'm hoping the Usos, but just because I, to me, Kevin and Sammy have they've they've just elevated so far up. To me, it'd be a step down to be tag team champions, especially okay. in today's. Day. We'll get into that. We'll get into who we think should be in the main event picture going forward. But with that being said, I'm gonna again. I've said it probably ten times already, but I'm gonna hope for Kevin and Sammy taking the W here. 
And then I don't want them to hold the belts long. I don't want either one of them to hold the belts too long. And um, I want to see them in some other title pictures. I, I think that after this, Sami Zayn could be a really important Intercontinental Champion. His last Intercontinental Championship reign freaking sucked. So, <laughs> And then he got into the Johnny Knoxville stuff, which Stone Cold puts over pretty heavy. Stone Cold loves that match. He thinks that it's what made Sami a star the first time. So coming out of But at the same time, there's a difference between being a star and being a main eventer. And I'm with you. Whenever he had that match with Johnny Knoxville, it's like, well, I love that he's Steve, never touching the WWE Stone Cold is my favorite wrestler of all time. But if you ever listen to every episode of his podcast like I have, he's probably the most diplomatic person I've ever met. He, yeah, he, he puts he over everybody. It, yeah, he doesn't really. <laughs> he does put over everybody. I, I miss the old Stone Cold <laughs> podcast, by the way. That's what made me want to do this for the very first it's time. It's still a top 10 podcast if you look on the ratings. He hasn't done a new one. <laughs> Well, I'll listen to something to wrestle with every single week. I listen to six hours of replay episodes that I've listened to six hours of before, so I'm okay with it. I'm gonna have to get back into the Stone Cold podcast. I don't, I don't have as much uh, podcast time as you do, though. I can't even make it through one episode of Jim Cornette without the next one being ready to, for me to start. So, um, okay, so we've gave our predictions on that. Um, do you have any thoughts? Do you want to get out before we get into? the main event of the entire weekend, anything that you've kind of missed on any of these other matches. Um, I mean, we've, we've talked for over an hour now, so really? surely to God that we've gotten it all off our chest. We're yeah. getting into the main event now. We're good. All right, guys, Roman reigns. He's had the title for over 940 freaking days. We will never, ever, ever see this again in our lifetimes. Probably. I think that I thought that we would never see it again coming into this. I mean, oh. This feels like, you know, Bruno held the title for eight years. I feel like this is the modern version of that because we have such short attention spans. The fact that Rowan Reigns has kept us interested for over 900 days and makes... I'm wearing a Bloodline shirt as we're doing this podcast. I mean, I am so into Roman Reigns. And then on the other side of the ring, you're going to have the guy who is my second favorite wrestler in all of WWE behind Seth Rollins. I literally took my family pictures with Cody Rhodes shirts on. My whole family wore Cody Rhodes shirts. I am such a mark for Cody Rhodes. I have been for a very long time. He has finally gotten his just due. Cody Rhodes is finally in the main event. We're going to see a Rhodes hold a world title in the WWE. I do believe I cannot put this match over enough. I'm going to say something right here that's going to get me a lot of hate. Okay. (laughs) For the people who actually listen to this podcast, which it varies so much from week to week, so I'm not even going to give out a number of how many people actually listen to it, but for those of you who listen to this podcast, let me say this. This is the most important main event match of WrestleMania since at least WrestleMania 17, and I would even argue since WrestleMania 3. I truly believe that. I think that this is the moment of all moments. And I am so pissed that I'm not going to be there for it. I am so heartbroken over this. This is the one, guys. If you've been a wrestling fan for any moment of time, ever, and you haven't been watching this storyline develop, I'm talking the entire Bloodline storyline, and I'm talking Cody Rhodes from WrestleMania last year until WrestleMania now. You have missed out on something that has been so monumentous and so special that I cannot wait. I, I literally might shed a tear at the end of this, watching it from in my living room. It's going to be that important and that special to me personally. I think that that's a pretty congruent thought among wrestling fans right now. 
I just can't wait for it. This is the one. If uh, like for instance, my brother and I, we you know we were always WCW like well NWA fans because you know we were from Kentucky. We got TBS Superstation. So this to me, my brother hasn't watched wrestling in ten years, but. This would be a feud or thing I think that would bring him back to watch this match. Like other friends of mine, you know, the Stone Cold, the Rock, those types of fans, I think they would get a lot out of this feud. And this would be the one, like, I think will bring a lot of old-time people that maybe gave up after, you know, Vince bought WCW. I think this would be the one that everyone universally could watch and really get some type of enjoyment out of. And for me, growing up watching Dusty Rhodes, because I'm old, you know, seeing actually seeing the Great American Bash in the cage with him play, like I, you know, seeing I had to go back and watch it. Seeing seeing Dusty get his leg broke, I saw all that live, like and was crying and the whole thing. So to see his son, you know, because I hated Stardust. I know I heard Dylan on one time, but I hated oh, it. I, love I thought Cody was just so misused, mismanaged the whole mustache gimmick thing. He would agree with you. Oh my God! But but so to see, and once again, that's like that's what I like. I like underdogs that go off, bet on themselves, and then come back majorly. So that's why I'm a huge Cody fan now because to have the balls to leave, because regardless with Stardust, I mean he was going to make money. He was going to be able to feed his family. He was going to have a long career, stable job, probably an office job when he got through. But he gambled, rolled the dice on all of it to go back to pretty much square one and then to do all that he's done then to make it back to this point. I mean, that's probably one of the most incredible things in wrestling that you've probably will ever see in the last 30, 40 years. Yeah. This is not a motivational podcast by any means, but if you ever want to pinpoint something to, to say like, Oh, well I'm doing okay where I'm at and you know, this is going to do okay. And I battle this all the time in my daily life of, I have a really good job. I make pretty good money. My wife doesn't have to work. I've got three kids that are fed. I have a brand new house and a brand new vehicle and all this kind of stuff. And I could literally just sit where I'm at. But Cody had all that same, you know, he had the the wealthier version of what I've got. I mean, I'm lower middle class. I'm not trying to brag, but I am very lower middle class. And Cody had the rich person's version of that and had a few, like you said, a future job. You're going to try to tell me they're not going to stick Dusty's kid in the office, especially with the brain that Cody has. I mean, even when the thing, okay, so this is my argument with the Stardust thing. Bruce Pritchard often talks about on his podcast the Red Rooster, Terry Taylor's Red Rooster, and somebody getting a getting a gimmick and not even attempting to make it work. And then you look on the other side of things, and could anybody in the history of time play the Undertaker other than Mark Calloway? You know, the Undertaker is the dumbest gimmick of all time. But it worked so well because Mark Calloway made us believe. I felt that way a little bit, a lot, actually, towards Stardust. And even dashing Cody Rhodes and all these other gimmicks. I have felt that way with Cody because he put so much into it. And then, like you said, and I said this isn't a motivational podcast, but Cody had those things. And he felt the same way that you feel. And he felt unfulfilled. And wanted something more. Cody wanted to be a freaking pro wrestler. Cody Rhodes wanted to main event shows. Cody Rhodes felt like, I have this level of talent. I'm not doing this gig the way that I want to do it. And by God, if I can't do it here, I'm going to go do it somewhere else. I don't even know I don't even know if Cody's real intentions the whole time were to ever get back to WWE. But and you, you had to know in the back of his mind, he's sitting there thinking... F those guys, I'm about to prove everybody wrong. I'm going to show everybody. And you could see that with them crushing the throne at you know their first yeah. pay-per-view and stuff like that. And Cody Rhodes 
went out and he did the thing, man. He went out and done it. He went out and done something that nobody has had the guts to do. And then because he done that, and I don't mean to stray too far, of course, but because Cody done what he done, one of my favorite wrestlers of now, and it might just be because I was there for his biggest moment, but Matt Cardona is such an important thing for me. He is such a big deal to me. Matt Cardona's not a thing if Cody Rhodes wasn't a thing first. And there's going to be so many more guys after them too that if they have the motivation and then if they have the willpower and the drive to go out and do what either both of them have done. I mean, Matt didn't start his own company, but Matt's at the peak of his career right now. And he has no he's nowhere close to being in the WWE. Cody done that. Matt done that. Cody opened the door for so many people going forward. Well, it's like we were not to get super far off like we are. But going back to the Charlotte thing, if you look online, a lot of people use the nepotism. And she doesn't always have the respect because she did kind of, you know, straight to the top. Whereas Cody, if had he been placed in that spot from the start, I think that he would have he would, would not have the respect he has now. And the reason he has that respect is because he kind of did the reverse AJ Styles. He started, at you know, in the big leagues, then voluntarily went back down to make it now to the highest level you can. And there's no one, there's no wrestling fan in the world. Even if you're not a huge Cody fan, you have to respect him regardless just for being able to do what he did and to take that risk. Yeah, and I think that people see that, and that's why Cody has been the biggest crossover to casuals, I think. I mean, like you look into a crowd, and the kids love Cody. The adults love Cody. People, I, I would dare to say that Cody Rhodes has brought in several new fans to the WWE. I mean, Cody, you know, at this point, the machine drives itself, right? The WWE is going to be the WWE no matter who's on top or what's going on. But I feel like every now and then you have these guys who bring people in. And this week, I had an odd level of um, attention to one of my Facebook posts. I got a lot of interaction on Facebook on a post that I, I was asking about Cody Rhodes winning at WrestleMania this year. That's what the podcast was over last week. And I was just trying to plug the podcast on my personal Facebook page and got a ton of interaction on it. And a lot of the people were talking, well, I've started watching wrestling again because of Cody Rhodes. Mm -hmm. You know, I want these stories. I want these, these big rock and Austin stories and they're getting one. And it just so happens to be with the rocks cousin and Dusty's son. So we've, we've talked about the backstory behind Cody Rhodes here. Roman Reigns, not much needs to be said, right? Roman Reigns comes back. He comes back during COVID with no fans. He comes back as a heel. Shortly thereafter, we find out he's with Paul Heyman. And sort of, kind of, the bloodline is already formed. Whenever he goes through his feud with Jay, and then Jimmy comes back, you got the whole family there. Solo Sokoa is added. This has been this bloodline thing has been building for forever now. I mean, it feels like we were trapped in our houses decades ago, you know? But when we were trapped in our houses, Roman Reigns was coming back to TV. And I just think that the Bloodline, coolest faction right now, coolest faction since the NWO, it's better than Evolution, it's better than The Shield. The Bloodline is incredible, and Roman Reigns leading it has been perfect, and the 940 days has been perfect. You got Cody Rhodes winning the Royal Rumble after he had a spectacular three matches last year. It's crazy to think that Cody Rhodes has not had that many pay-per-view matches yet. So, I mean, in this run in WWE. Well, the thing with Roman, too, this is, you know, kind of... Roman is another example that sometimes us internet fans do know what's best. Because Dylan and I were at the WrestleMania 
when they were shoving him down our throats as a face. What was that, 32? 33. 33. And, you know, they're all after it. It was the F.U. Romans after the Undertaker thing. And and everyone online was saying, hey, if you made Roman a heel and let him organically and, you know, of course the marks got, you know, get torched by the experts or whatever. But it, it's turned out to be the absolute best thing that, that they could have done. And he's now the perfect you know, just when he was getting the cool heel, you know, all this stuff happened with Sammy, and now he's back. People kind of hate him again. So it's, it's just been – it couldn't have been done more perfectly. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that Roman is actually an, an actual real heel now at this point. I mean, you've set him up against two great baby faces, and we all know what makes a good heel. It's great baby faces. Sammy Zayn, great baby face. Helped get Roman to the next spot. Cody Rhodes, next great baby face. Cody Rhodes is something that we don't see much anymore, and that is white meat baby faces getting over. We don't see that much anymore. Yeah, and, then, and Cody, another thing that transcends and crosses over for him, if you look at like WWE when it was at, at its biggest back in the Attitude Era, one of the things people related to was Austin, you know, flipping off and beating up his boss, which, you know, most of us, I got female bosses, so I wouldn't do that, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so with Cody, everyone can kind of relate to, you know, it's the, it's the professional sport, the NBA, NFL, MLB. You know, how many, like, sons have ever surpassed their famous fathers? You know, you got King Griffey Jr., you got Barry Bonds, but there's not very many that have outdone their famous, like, all-time legend dad. So, for Cody, I can get behind this story because it's real. He, I mean, he, you know, up to this point, he has been huge in the shadow of his dad. And this is his chance. And this is his chance. And he has already, in my opinion become his own guy. But this is his chance to do something his dad didn't and to elevate onto that level. Yeah, and, and, and to that point, I didn't have a problem with Dusty being mixed into the storyline, especially because Roman's use of Dusty in this storyline has been incredible. <laughs> I mean, him just straight up saying, like, yeah, I was Dusty's favorite. What the hell are you going to do about that? You know, he didn't give a damn about you. He threw you to the wolves. He protected me. He brought me up. I mean, that was cool. But they've they've slowly gotten away from it. Cody even said this past week on Raw, if anybody mentions it again, he's going to throw up. <laughs> so now we've gotten into I mean, it, the storyline, it's only been going on since Royal Rumble, and it's yeah. evolved so much. It's been so good. It'd be, like you, it'd be like your Little League coach taking the star player out for ice cream and making you go home with your mom. <laughs> the way he did that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe. But Okay, so what this – I guess we can just kind of dive in. I think we both just want to see Cody get his final crowning achievement, you know, here. There's been a couple things that I've seen. I had somebody comment on one of my TikToks and say that Paul Heyman turns on Roman Reigns. Bad idea? No. But the one thing that we were talking about before we started recording this was, does Cody have to win clean? Yeah. Yeah, he's got to win clean, right? I mean, I I just think that he has to. You you can't build up a moment like this and then just have him have a poo-poo finish. That's so WWE to do that, too. Don't do that to Cody. Please don't do that to Cody. I mean, I'm not going to hate it one way or another. If Cody wins by a, a low blow and then a title shot to the head and then he takes a sledgehammer to the side of Roman's jaw and wins, I mean, it's not going to make me feel that much different. But I would rather see Cody hit a Cody cutter, hit a couple crossroads. I mean, I don't care if he's got to do 15 crossroads to Roman Reigns. What if? What if? the ref, You know, the ref takes a bump. The Usos come in. Sammy comes in to help Cody, but unintentionally misses and hits Cody. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't take this moment away from me. You're, you're already trying to take it away from me. Man, I just, I just hope that we see Cody at the end of the night holding two titles. 
I want to see Liberty in the ring with him. I want to see Brandy in the ring with him. I want to see him crying, pointing to the sky, telling his dad that he done it. This is this is the boyhood dream has come true moment for Cody Rhodes. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than this. We've got to see his dog though, also in the ring. <laughs> you know what's funny? They put Pharaoh on. Pharaoh. <laughs> they put him on the shirt for WrestleMania this year, and a dude commented on Twitter and was like, "WWE fans has no clue who the heck this guy is. They don't know who his freaking dog is." Which is funny, but you know, Cody took him some artwork and he was like, Hey, what if, what if we done this? And probably had some sketch on paper or whatever. And they was like, yeah, we can put this. And he's, Pharaoh's been on several of his shirts. I hated Cody Rhodes' first WWE shirt whenever he came back. It had the dog like ripping through the letters and stuff like that on it. And I was like, Oh no, like I wanted to buy a Cody Rhodes shirt. That's not, that was the only one they had at WrestleMania too. Cause they had them ready for the next day or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when I went to meet Cody, he was at the superstore. I'd bought a meet and greet with a special unannounced guest. And I was trying to be a smart mark and think that it was Cody Rhodes. And it was. So I got to yes. meet Cody and take a picture with him. And that was cool <laughs> and everything like that. But as I was walking through the superstore to get back there to him, they had those shirts. And I was like, do I buy one of these shirts with this freaking dog on it? And then, of course, the next day on WWE Shop, they had a, a shirt with his regular logo on it, which is the shirt that I end up taking my uh, <laughs> my family pictures in. But, um, yeah, Cody, man... I'm cheering for you, man. I hope you hear this. Please listen to me. You gotta win. You gotta win. Yeah, he's gonna like. It's just like those things. Or sometimes it's just time. Like it's it's time don't, for him to win. Don't mess it up. Sometimes don't overbook it. Yeah, I mean you can. I mean I'm sure they'll make it to where there'll be certain parts in the match where you'll hold your breath thinking, oh you know, oh no or whatever. But nah, Cody needs to win. Needs to win clean. Like you say, even if he has to hit four or five Cody cutters or whatever. Yeah, not Cody cutters, but the. Crossroads. Crossroads. Yeah, if he's got to hit four or five of those, whatever it takes, like, yeah, but don't don't screw this one up. It's got to just be what it is. No trying to surprise people. Do that with the Usos and KO and Zane. Make this one <laughs> make this one a straightforward Cody winning. I know we're getting too inside baseball here, but do you think they need quite a bit of time? you think they should go 30, 35 minutes, or do you think this is more of a 15, 16-minute kind of match? Because Roman typically does better in my opinion, in shorter matches. 20 but, times. But Roman can freaking wrestle. I mean, are we over that? We've gotten past Roman. But wrestle, we're going right? to be, we're going to, I mean, it's going to be 10 minutes of entrance. So if that counts. Oh, if the that counts. Match, if the entrances count, I want the match to be an hour long. I am curious to see, though, if there, I mean, you know there's going to be some level of interference from from someone. Oh, but. yeah. it's We're going to get the classic um, Usos come down. Heyman's trying to do something. I just want to know who, if that's the case, who's Cody's buddies in this situation? Because, again, me being such a Matt Cardona mark, it kind of lends itself to him. But he's, okay, I'm being realistic here. Matt Cardona is not special enough for that moment. Okay, like, I'm not trying to be a dick to Matt, and I cannot be a big enough fan of Matt Cardona. He's not a big enough guy for that moment. I mean, who's the guy? The Rock. <laughs> Holy crap! The Rock, the Rock, you know all that. Uh, all I, and listen, I used to be a huge Rock fan, but here lately he's kind of. And I'm not a, I'm not like a comic book DC, but you know he's getting a lot of bad press over that. A oh yeah, lot. the movie sucked. But but even on his inside stuff about how he kind of was a very difficult to work with and wouldn't do this, wouldn't do that. So I mean, he's been doing a lot to try to repair a lot of that. If you look at his Instagram, I mean. 
if he were to come down, which I hope not. I want Cody to win, go off the air, like you said, with Brandy, with his child, with even Pharaoh, whatever. Just let it go off like that. Don't have any surprise like Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania, whichever it was, when he come down. Don't the, do that. The only interference that I think that I would accept and be super happy with is Randy Orton and Ted DiBiase Jr. coming down. I know that that's weird. But I think Ted DiBiase's in jail for the... Ted DiBiase Jr. That's what I'm saying. Isn't he... Didn't he get in trouble for that too, though? Or was it Brett? So. It was the other DiBiase. Uh, Maybe I need to edit that out. If Cody DiBiase Jr. is in prison, I don't want him to interfere. I think no. it's the other DiBiase, the younger DiBiase. Well, Donnie's Allegedly. going to do, do a little market research for us real quick because I may have just said the dumbest thing said in the history of my podcast. But I think that that's the only thing... That would make kind of sense because Cody isn't known for having a bunch of friends, you know. Let's leave it Orton. Let's leave it Randy. Orton. Yeah, maybe Randy comes down and just RKO's every freaking body, and then we go off there kind of thing. So I just, I'll, yeah, I just want Cody to win straight up. Just, don't, I mean, don't oh, don't overbook it, don't overthink it. It's it's right there for the taking. You know what's weird is, and we're going super long here, but you know. Uh, Undertaker during the WrestleMania 11 time period, whenever Ted DiBiase's Money Incorporated faction was raiding him every week, and there's like 12 dudes in Ted DiBiase's faction, and the Undertaker every week was just getting demolished. Conrad Thompson asked Bruce Pritchard, he was super pissed talking about it. He was like, "Did the Undertaker not have friends? Like, do the ba- are only the heels allowed to have friends? The the baby faces aren't allowed to have friends? Maybe." That's the case for Cody. Maybe he doesn't need other friends. Maybe he just does it on his own, and that's the end of it. So, I don't know. But th- there has to be some way, though, to... I mean, because if the Usos come down, there's got to be a way to prevent a, a, a bit... You know, I, I don't like I don't like when there's a whole lot of just, you know... I mean, some's needed, but, you know, there's got to be a way, if they do come down... Do something to Cody. Cody kicks out at two and nine tenths or whatever. There's got to be a way to then get the Usos out, you know, because you know realistically they would just get Roman DQ'd and he would keep the belt. So they can't still be at ringside if they do come down to do something. Okay, Ted DiBiase can interfere in the match if he needs to. (laughs) It is. It is. He is not in prison. So okay. Final wraps up on this match and the podcast as a whole. We have went forever this week. My longest podcast. And luckily we had Donnie Howard here. You guys, this is spectacular. I've had so much fun with this. And the final thoughts on the Cody match. I mean, we've kind of both said it. Cody needs to win clean here. Cody needs to to go off the air and just be the final image you need to see is Cody holding those belts. Yes. It was Brett DiBiase. (laughs) Apologies, Ted. All right. So, this WrestleMania feels super special. It feels like one that we've needed for a long time. I thought last year's WrestleMania was the best one in a super long time. I thought it was better than 31. I thought it was better than 30. Um, Other people might disagree. I know there's a bunch of people who's big, big fans of WrestleMania 30. This one, I mean, man, if these matches go off, like if we just fantasy booked ourselves into the greatest WrestleMania of all time, how do you feel about that? I'm curious... um I'm curious how, like, like looking at the matches, I'm trying to figure out how many per night and, like, what could possibly be the order. And mm, it's interesting. That's why, you know, we talk about the pre-show, but I think you have, what, ten, how many do you have there? you got uh, 11 10? matches. 10, I think, 11? I think you got 11 matches. So, I mean, is that, I mean, five one night, six another? I think you do six on the first night and five on the last and give Cody and Roman enough time 
And you maybe even stick that Hell in a Cell match on night two as well. So are we looking at maybe three-hour nights? I mean, I remember the WrestleMania we went to, and it was like 12,000 hours long, which was okay. But Dude, just be glad you weren't there for 35. 35 Ooh. was like literally 11. It was 1.30 in the morning whenever wow. it was a match. And I can't even remember last year, like at what time they started, what time, how rough. They've been doing a better job. The, the Splitting it into two nights has been really good. And Triple H has been really good about not putting many matches on the show. I mean, if you think about 11 matches over the course of two nights, six matches the first night, five matches the second, if you do five matches over the course of three hours, I mean, you have a lot of time. I know there's going to be way more going on than just wrestling matches. Okay, let's get that out of the way. But. Oh, I forgot even about some of that. Are they having musical acts? I haven't paid enough attention to that. I know they've always had some sort of concert person No, performing. I don't think that anybody's going to be there. I think the weekend on the theme song for the 43rd year in a row this year, <laughs> um, WrestleMania 973, the weekend will be doing the theme song for. So, um, No, I don't think there's going to be any of that, but I do think that you will have a lot of big entrances i and donnie even suggested one of the topics for um this past week's podcast be wrestlemania entrances i'm just going to save that for next year guys i'm going to be doing this podcast next year is my hopes and we will do wrestlemania entrances because they're super cool and i think that they're very important to the show aspect they say this is the granddaddy of them all it's the super bowl it's better than the rolling stones as hulk hogan once said i can already tell you the worst wrestlemania entrances of all time WrestleMania three with an old slow ass rings going down to the ring, and you didn't have fast forward on your. Yeah, I mean, but Hulk coming down was impressive. It was super cool. All right, guys, that's gonna wrap us up this week. It was a fun podcast with Mr. Donnie Howard. Make sure you follow us on all socials and go check out the giveaway on Instagram. It's W A Wrestling Pod on Instagram. We're giving away a PlayStation Five copy of wwe 2k 23 deluxe edition i bought one for myself just because i wanted the gold john cena cover i haven't got to play the game much but the little bit that i did play i thought it was super good it's very similar to last year's i mean everybody says that but they added wcw to my gm mode this year that was the first thing i done i was trying to book wcw into being the best program on tv of course because i'm like you i grew up in the south and wcw is what i grew up on so um yeah, go check the Instagram post out. It's the pinned post, guys. It's got instructions on it on how to win the giveaway. Um, it's going to be, I'm going to give away that game before night one of WrestleMania. So I'll do it on random.org and post the winner. And yeah, that'll be the end of that. And that will also be the end of this podcast. So what about wrestling? <laughs>